Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. Thank you for streaming this message. I believe this message will encourage you, it will inspire you, and it'll help you live the supernatural lifestyle of faith. We want you to live this supernatural lifestyle of faith, not have supernatural moments, but have it as a lifestyle. So we put all of this content out for you to receive so you can grow and live the life that Jesus made available for you. To find more information about our ministry and our resources, you can visit us at FCCGA.com or you can download our Faith Plus app. Our Faith Plus app has thousands of hours of faith building content and it's available in your app store right now. Open your heart. God's going to share something special to you through this message. Now, Psalm 65, verse 11. You know, we're midway through February. And as we, you know, it's been about six to seven weeks into the new year. Now, let me ask you this question. Has anybody ran into some unexpected challenges this year? Like, it's like, I did not see that coming. I was all excited and positive and amped and hyper about the new year, and all of a sudden, bam! Or all of a sudden, a sneak attack. Something that seems that you're not sure that you're gonna be this positive about the year. You were really good on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, shouting, running, dancing, doing backflips. But now that we're mid February, it's like, well, I don't know about this 2023 anymore. Does that fit anybody in here? Some unexpected challenges, some unexpected attacks. This message is for you, and it's called God is Still Good on the Battlefields of Life. God is still good on the battlefields of life. So say it with me. Say, God is still good on the battlefields of life. Come on, we're going to say it again. Put it in the chat if you're watching online. Say, God is still good on the battlefields of life. Because some of the goodness you've been expecting this year is going to show up on the battlefield. It would be good if it was just delivered by Amazon. It just show up. You don't got to do nothing. I'm just waiting on Jesus. Come on, deliver, deliver, deliver. Oh, I got a notification. I can see it on my phone. It is down the street. But sometimes the goodness God wants you to experience is on the battlefields of life. And you have to realize that God is still good even on the battlefield. So when we look at Psalm 65 verse 11, it says, You crown the year with your goodness. You surround the year with your goodness. So that means even during this year when you have to fight the good fight of faith, even this year when you have to resist the enemy, even this year when you have unexpected challenges, there is still goodness surrounding. And your paths drip with abundance. The path that God has you on is dripping with abundance. Say, my path is dripping with abundance. Come on, we're going to say it again. Put it online in the chat. Say, my path is dripping with abundance. Now, when we get to another verse in a moment, I want you to remember that there's still abundance on your path. Then he goes on and says, they drop on the pastures of the wilderness and the little hills rejoice on every side. Go to Isaiah 51 with me. This is where we looked at last week, Isaiah 51. Isaiah 51. There's goodness still surrounding you, even if you're on the battlefield. It reminds me of the story of Elisha and his assistant, that there was an enemy king coming to attack Israel. But every military move he met, Elisha would send word to the king and says, this is what the enemy king's trying to do. And they avoided it again and again and again. And so the enemy king calls his advisor and says, which one of you are spies for the king of Israel? And they said, none of us, but there is a prophet in Israel who tells the king that you say in your bedroom. And the king got really nervous. We'll leave it right there. And then he says, go get that prophet. So they send an army for one man. And so they surround the city where the man of God is early in the morning. So early in the morning, his assistant wakes up. 
probably hasn't even checked Instagram yet, haven't even gone through his TikTok feed, wiping the sleep out of his eyes, he looks up and sees an army. And he runs to Elijah and says, Elijah, this faith stuff has gotten us in trouble again. Look, there is an army surrounding us. And what did the man of God say? There are more that are with us than are with them. Lord, open his eyes that he might see. And then the sister's eyes was open, and he saw that their problem that was surrounding them was already surrounded by the angels of God. So you might be facing some challenges right now that are surrounding you, but I want to let you know God has already surrounded your problems with his goodness. He's already surrounded his, your problems with his angels. You may seem surrounded, but you're surrounded with way more than you think you are. Your year is still crowned and surrounded by goodness, and your path is still dripping with abundance. So Isaiah 51 verse 1, listen to me, you who follow after righteousness. Anybody follow after righteousness in here? You who seek the Lord. Anybody that seek the Lord in here? He says, look to the rock from which you were hewn, the hole of the pit from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and Sarah who bore you. If you are a believer in Christ Jesus, you are the seed of Abraham. And we've already talked about the blessing of Abraham today. And it's yours by inheritance. It's yours because of how you were born again. You did not have to work for the blessing of Abraham. You got saved and got blessed. If you want to see how you look like in the Old Testament, look at Isaac. It says Abraham died and God blessed Isaac. And it says Isaac did anything to get blessed. He was just blessed because of who he was. And if you're saved, you're just blessed because of who you are. You are the seed of Abraham. So I'd like to say this way, I'm as much seed of Abraham as Isaac is. So I'm entitled to much blessing even more than Isaac is because I'm in Christ Jesus. For I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. For the Lord will comfort Zion. Say the Lord will comfort Zion. And we've already talked about how Zion, yes, it talks about the Israel and the Jewish people, but there's also another Zion. It's the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the Lord has plans to comfort Israel, and the Lord has plans to comfort his church. It's not either or, it's both. Say it's both. So when he says, I'm going to comfort Zion, he's talking about the Jewish people, and he's talking about his church. We see the church called Zion in the New Testament. But notice the language, I will comfort Zion. Because it goes on and says, He will comfort all her waste places. He will make her wilderness like Eden, and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in it. Thanksgiving and the voice of melody. So you might ask yourself, well, I got some waste places in my life. I got some wildernesses in my life. I got some unexpected challenges in this beginning of 2023. How is God going to comfort that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Go to John 14. John 14, look what it says here. John 14, starting with verse 16. Of course, all my notes are in the YouVersion Bible app as well as on the Faith Plus app under the Faith Christian Center section. John chapter 14, verse 16. Notice what Jesus says here in John 14, verse 16. Thank you. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another, what? Comforter. That he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it sees him not, neither knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Verse 26, but the comforter who is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Skip down to John 16 verse 13. John 16 verse 13. John 16, verse 13. Notice what it says here. However, 
when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. So one of the ways God comforts Zion and comforts your waste places and turn your waste places and wilderness to like the Garden of Eden, he does it through the ministry of the Comforter, the ministry of the Holy Spirit who has been sent to lead you and to guide you. And you say, oh, I can't hear the Holy Ghost. Yes, you can. Oh, I don't have the Holy Ghost. If you say that, you ain't saved. If you are saved, you have the Holy Spirit. He lives on the inside of you. And you can hear his voice. Well, I can't hear Jesus said that you can hear his voice. I believe Jesus over you. Say, I can hear the voice of God. Say, the Holy Spirit leads me and guides me into all truth. So he will lead you to the place where the wildernesses and the waste places in your life turn to Eden. One of the ways he comforts his people is by the working and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now, the thing is, you don't have to be deep to hear the Holy Ghost. You don't have to be deep. You don't have to be spooky because the Holy Ghost ain't spooky. Spooky people make the Holy Ghost seem spooky. The Holy Ghost isn't spooky. He will talk to you in a way that you get. Use some of the same verbiage and slang you use. He will talk to you. Well, how does he talk to you? In your spirit. You are a spirit being first. And he will lead you and guide you through the inward witness, that peace that you're about to make a decision. And you hear you have this peace about it. Say, yeah, I know I'm going the right direction. Or other times you don't have any peace. It's this inner feeling that scratches. Don't you do that. That's the Holy Ghost talking to you. And other times you'll hear this still, small voice on the inside giving you direction and guidance. It's him speaking through your spirit. And other times there'll be this authoritative voice that you almost look around like, whoa, who said that? He's talking to you. You just learn to listen. And when he says something, do it. When he says something, yield, obey. Because God, the Holy Spirit, is talking to you. And he wants to comfort you. He wants to turn your waste places into Eden. And he is the leader in your life. So you have to make sure you always make room to see, God, do you want me to do this? Holy Spirit, should I go here? Holy Spirit, should I invest here? Holy Spirit, should I buy this? Holy Spirit, should I sell this? You need to consult with your comforter. Or one of his names in the Old Testament talks about the spirit of counsel and might. He's talking about he's a strategist. You are not meant to go through this life without a strategist. So God gave you one. He's the Holy Spirit. He will give you the strategy you need to win in this life. Say, the Holy Spirit will give me the strategy I need to win in this life. Now, what you have to realize is that your strategy may not be your neighbor's strategy. There are general concepts in the Word of God we are all to obey. But there may be some specific things in your life that are for you to do. But say, so, well, stuff's not working out in my life. I'm just doing this. Well, why are you doing that? Well, because it worked for someone else. Are you someone else? What did the Holy Ghost tell you to do? He has a plan and strategy for your life. He has a path for you to walk. But you might say, well, my path is not dripping in abundance. Well, let's make sure that you're on your path, not somebody else. Because your path, is dripping in abundance. But you have to let him lead you. You have to let him guide you. You have to let him be your GPS. Now, does anybody in here argue or debate with your GPS? Just come on, I'm one of those people. I'm one of those people. When it says it's gonna take you this amount of time to get there, I'm like, that seems like a challenge. It's like, you sure you want me to turn right? Because I think if I go a little bit further and turn right, so I know some of us, you know, we like to argue with the GPS, and that's your business. But just don't argue with the Holy Ghost. When he tells you to do something, do it. When he leads you somewhere, go. 
So how many agree if the Holy Ghost leads you somewhere you should go? Let me see your hand. If you agree, if you're in the online, put it in the chat. Say, I agree. Come on, before we go on, let's look at all these hands. Everybody look around. Look at all these people who agree. Look at all these people who agree. All these people online agree too. Arizona agrees. People in South Carolina, North Carolina agree. People watching on replay later, they agree. We have all have witnesses that agree, right? Oh, he's like, Pastor, you set us up for me. Yep, I did. Let's go to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Because God is still good on the battlefields of life. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. The Holy Ghost led Jesus to a fight. Not just a demon, a principality, a ruler of wickedness in high places. He led him to go toe to toe with Satan at the beginning of his ministry. And I said, well, that's not a problem. Jesus is God. But remember, remember, remember what he said. He didn't operate on the earth as God. He operated as a man anointed by God. He laid aside his godhood privilege to come down and become a propitiation or atoning sacrifice, to become the firstborn of many brethren, to set the example. So if Jesus is going to take on Satan, he's not taking him on as he would as the son of God. He's taking him on as he's the son of man. Yes, he is the son of God, but when he fights Satan, he's not using his godhood to do it. He's fighting from his anointed humanity, which means the way Jesus fought is the way you can fight. But I want you to see here the Holy Ghost led Jesus to a fight. Someone's like, oh, he's just lead us to the chill places. Relax and kick back and skip through the flowers with Jesus. The Holy Ghost led Jesus to a fight. Go to Mark chapter 1. Let's look at it from another point of view. Mark chapter 1, look at verse 9. We're going to back up and see what happened right before the Holy Ghost led him. Because this word led, yes, it means to lead. It also means to lead up. It means to launch and it means to bring to a higher place. So the Holy Ghost is bringing Jesus in his earthly ministry to a higher place. And what was that higher place? A fight. Who I want to go higher? Sure. Just let him know there's going to be a fight. Mark chapter 1 verse 9. It came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately coming up from the water, he saw in the heavens parting and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. Then a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Immediately the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. Now notice how Mark says it, drove. That means he was compelled. It wasn't just like a light lead. It was a strong lead. And Jesus, get up, go. Get up and go fight. Notice what's this next. And he was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and was with the wild beast, and the angels ministered to him. Some of y'all can't go to the woods because you don't even like the squirrels running around. <laughs> but those aren't the wild beasts. These are the wild beasts in the deserts and the wilderness of the Middle East. There's some lions out there. There's some dangerous things out there. And that's where the Holy Ghost led Jesus. Now, let's look at something Jesus had before the Holy Ghost took him to a fight. He was covered and baptized in the Holy Ghost. He was anointed. But notice also what he knew. God said, you are my beloved son, and who I am well pleased. So from heaven, God shouts, hey, I love you. I'm proud of you. You haven't done any big miracles yet. You haven't died to save all of humanity from their sins yet. But I love you, and I am proud of you. Imagine a really fanatic parent in the stands at a sports game. 
yelling out, embarrassingly so, over their child on the field. You gotta imagine, it was pretty quiet at the river that day until God himself yelled from heaven. That's my boy. I'm proud of him. I love you, son. So before Jesus went to a fight, he knew he was loved. He knew his God was pleased with him. You have to know the same thing. That yes, there are fights in this life, but as we sang so many times today, he loves you. And God does not plan defeats for his people. So if he leads you to a fight, he's leading you to win. Why? He loves you, and God is still good on the battlefields of life. He's pleased with you. He has good plans for you. And so if he leads you to a fight, no, that means you're going to win. But one of the things you see from even studying the Old Testament, if God leads his people to a fight, he wants them to expand their territory. If God leads you to a fight, that means it's time for you to take territory. If he leads you to a fight, it's time to break forth, break loose, enlarge the tent. It's time for expansion if he's leading you to a fight. He's leading you to a higher place, so that means there's going to be a fight. He's launching you out to some things. That means there's going to be a fight. But that means you can't give up because if he's leading you to a fight, that means there is goodness on the battlefield and goodness on the other side. That means it's time to expand and enlarge your territory because he's bringing you up to a higher place. Because what happened after Jesus went toe-to-toe -to -toe with the enemy. Because the enemy couldn't tempt him. He could, he could tempt him, but he couldn't make him sin. That's how you know temptation, being tempted, is not a sin. The book of Hebrews says Jesus was tempted in all points, like we were, yet without sin. Jesus was saying through everything he had to Jesus. Everything. So whatever you struggle with, whatever you're tempted by, just know that your big brother Jesus was tempted by it and beat it. Which means if he beat it, you can beat it. Because he is your example, and he's the firstborn of many brethren. So notice something that Jesus had when he came from the fight. He came out with the power of the Spirit, right? But you know what he also came out with? Perspective. So now when he's dealing with any other demons he hasn't cast out, he said, I already beat your boss. Get out. You want to talk back? I already beat the boss. Get out. So imagine, imagine if you're playing this hard video game and it's the boss level. But instead of starting with the mini boss, the first big thing you do is take out the big boss. So then when you look at the little bosses, it's nothing. You already took out Bowser. What's the little turtle on the shelf? What's the little dude? What are you, what are you gonna do? Boom, done. Jesus left with a perspective of victory. So when he stood before any sickness, any disease, any demon, any attack, I already beat the boss. He came out with power and perspective. When you beat the enemy, you have perspective. And now you got a testimony. And then you become like David when it comes time to take a Goliath. He's like, you know what? I took down the bear. I took down a lion. This big boy's going down too. It's perspective. It's why experience generates hope. It generates expectation. Because you and God got a track record. He did not leave you before. He's not going to start now. We've come this far by faith, so we're not going to leave faith now. We're going to keep going forward. He's brought us too far to leave us. Go with me to Psalm 23 and talk more about the leading of the Lord. Because this is how he will comfort us. We understand that God is still good on the battlefields of life. Say, God is still good on the battlefields of life. Let's look at Psalm 23. Got some more to show you. 
So we see he led Jesus to a fight. But we also see he didn't come from the fight empty-handed. Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want or I shall not lack. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leaves me beside the still waters. He restores my soul, my mind, my will, the control center of my emotions. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Well, why would you walk through that dark place? Because he's led. He says, I'm leading you through these paths for my name's sake. And sometimes the path he has you on is a path to a fight. Sometimes the path he has you on will go through the valley of the shadow of death. But remember, even if you're in the valley, your path is still dripping with abundance. Because it's still his path. And while you're there, remember, this ain't Peter Pan. When's the last time my shadow hurt you? You're in the valley of the shadow of death. You may be able to look to the left, to the right, to the east and the west, and you see death, but you're only in its shadow. So what do you do? You keep moving down your path. Because, yes, darkness is all around, but darkness is not on you. Darkness is not in you. The glory of God is on the inside of you. The glory of God is upon you, and your Lord is with you. It quotes this in Matthew 4, how when Jesus moved to Capernaum, it says those tribes saw a great light. Those in the valley of the shadow of death saw brightness rise up. So sometimes your path will go through the valley because God wants to light up the darkness. Because yes, you may go through a valley, but don't come out by yourself. Take somebody with you. Somebody who's been living in the valley. Somebody who's been camping out in the valley. Living under the shadow of death all their lives. But you walk through and say, I'm taking you with me. It's time for you to get saved. It's time for you to get healed. It's time for you to get delivered and filled with the Holy Ghost. And walk the path God has for you out of this valley. It's on your path. Because this is your path is dripping and it makes all the things beside the past produce. So even if you go through the valley of the shadow of death, the valley begins to produce for you because you're there. It won't work for anybody else, but it works for you. Increase comes to you, that's coming to else while you're there. And when they get on your path with you, until they can understand to get on their own path, God blesses them. Well, how do you know that? God blessed Abraham and he blessed Lot. Because Lot was with Abraham. And God will bless people around you just because you there. It'll rub off. I will fear no evil. I will fear no recession. I will fear no sickness. I will fear no bad report. I will fear no challenge. I will fear no news report. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. In their presence. The enemies are right there. In the midst of the valley of the shadow of death, you got enemies around you. But on your path, there's a feast. And you can kick back and relax and enjoy the provision of your God. Now, the only reason you can relax and enjoy a feast surrounded by enemies is because you believe the one who prepared the feast is strong enough to protect you and fight for you and deliver you. In the midst of the valley, surrounded by enemies, surrounded on every side, you realize that God has surrounded your problem and will still provide for you even if you're in the valley. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. I have more than enough 
You see, think about it this way. If you pour and the cup runs over, you call it waste. God doesn't. He calls it abundance. It's time for you to get a bigger cup. It's time for you to take that cup and share it with others. Because my cup is going to keep running over, so I shall not lack or I shall not run out. Because there's abundance on my path. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. So on those days where I fill up and those days when I fill down. So minister Dave and Pastor Kurt help me. So no matter where I go, these guys are going to follow me. So if I go over here, they're following me. If I go up here, they're following me. No matter where I go, I turn. Oh, there they are. If I go over here, they're following me. If I go over here, they're following me. No matter where I go, yo, there they are. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. They're here. No matter what, because it's my path. Thank you, guys. God is still good on the battlefields of life. Now go with me to Exodus 13. Exodus 13. Exodus 13. As you turn to Exodus 13, I'm going to read Psalm 77, verse 20 from the New Living Translation to you. It said, you led your people along that road like a flock of sheep with Moses and Aaron as their shepherds. So notice what it says in Exodus 13, verse 17. New Living Translation. When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said, if the people are faced with battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Thus, the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. So God leading them along right route was his kindness, his compassion. He said, they ain't ready to fight those Philistines. So he took them the other route. And so that means he's taking them a longer route to train them and prepare them. And so when you're on the route God has for you, make sure you let him train you and prepare for you. Because by the time you get to that spot, you should be ready to fight and take down giants. And not say, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. No, let him train you and prepare you, even if he has you on the long route. And so remember, He's taking the long route so that they avoid war. So now here's what happens not too much longer later. Exodus chapter 17, verse 8, because remember, God is leading them like a shepherd. And we already went through Psalm 23. The Holy Spirit is leading them. He is guiding them. He is protecting them. Then Exodus 17, verse 8. Now Amalek, Amalek, who is this descendant of Esau? Shouldn't be trying to get them, but he is. Now the Amalekites came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. Now, they just had a miracle. Water just came from a rock and uh, took care of everybody. They've received manna from heaven, and, but they're tired. They just marched from Egypt. They're tired. They haven't even gone forth. They're camping there. And all of a sudden, here comes a sneak attack. Now, here's how Moses describes it over 40 years later in Deuteronomy 25, 17, and 18. And the New Living Translation says, Never forget what the Amalekites did to you as you came from Egypt. They attacked you when you were exhausted and weary, and they struck down those who were straggling behind. They had no fear of God. So Israel wasn't trying to go to war. Remember, they're on the long route. They're following God's plan. And all of a sudden, there's a sneak attack. It's not fair. It's not right. These people don't fear God, yet they attack me. Notice what happened. See, yes, God will lead you to a fight in challenges for you to overcome. But those challenges aren't sickness or disease or manifestations of the curse. They're not things that the devil attacks with. He uses you to overcome the enemy, but he's not going to use the enemy's tools to train you. And some of you this year have had some unexpected challenges that were like sneak attacks, doctor reports, 
All of a sudden, you are going straight. All of a sudden, this news, this report, this struggle takes you off course. It attacks you from behind. You're still trying to recover from last year, and all of a sudden, bam, bam, bam. It's unfair. It's not right. What do they do? Now, the Amalekites came and fought with Israel at Rephidim, and Moses said to Joshua, choose us some men and go out and fight with the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So, Ken, I need you to help me. Ken, if you can bring your chair. If you bring your chair up here. And Pastor Kurt, Minister Nathan, to come help me real quick. So here's the plan the man of God releases. Tomorrow, you're going to fight this sneak attack. And here's what I want to do. Joshua, you pick the people are going to fight, and tomorrow, I'm going to hold up my hand with the staff of God in my hand. What does the staff represent? The anointing. It's how Moses did all the miracles, so you can put that right there for me. And so the battle begins early in the day, right? You can turn it towards them. And it says, notice the scripture says, so Joshua did as Moses said and fought with the Malachites. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hands, the Malachites prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy. Why? Your hands be heavy too. Some of you have a hard time lifting your hands in worship for 20 minutes. Oh, Lord, my arms are heavy. Uh, he keeps singing. He's saying the refrain again. Oh, I put my hands down. But how much more if you're holding the staff in your hands? And it says if his hands were up, the people of God triumphed. But when his hands went down, the people of God lost. So it was a matter of life and death whether the man of God's hands were up or down. So what did Aaron and her decide to do? They got a rock. They got a seat. And then it says... They sat Moses down, and then, come on, her, got one arm, and Aaron got the other, and they lifted up his hands, and it says they stayed there to the end of the fight, and Joshua triumphed over the Amalekites. So thank you, guys. So what is the strategy? What is the strategy real quick? What is the strategy? What do you do when there's a sneak attack? What do you do when something comes up that you did not expect? You hold up the man of God's arms. So what is released from him gives what is needed for the victory. And so how many of you have faced a sneak attack in your life, but you came to church and you got the answer that you needed? Why? Somebody held up the man of God's arms so that they could proclaim what thus saith the Holy Ghost and you received what you needed. So God's strategy for when his people are attacked with sneak attacks is keep the man of God's arms up and I'll release from him what you need to win. How long do we keep the arms up? Until the battle is over. Until the sneak attack is dealt with. Until it turns for your good. So yes, Joshua gets credit because he's fighting. Moses gets credit because he's Moses. But you know who also gets credit? Aaron and her. They held his arms up. And so you know what Team Faith does? They hold my arms up. That the only way I'm able to do what I'm doing up here is just the anointing of the Holy Ghost, but also team faith. It's like, come on, Pastor, keep those arms up. Uh, you, your, your arms can't hang down. Here's some more coffee. You got to keep your arms up. Because it's a matter of life and death if your arms are up. And as we come together and we all do our individual parts, we keep the arms up and life is released. Victory is released that overcomes the sneak attacks and what the enemy has planned. Now go with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. You say, well, how do I become part of Team Faith? This, the link's already in my notes. You can sign up today. Because if we all do our part, more people experience victory. Notice something else you do with sneak attacks. Skip forward 
hundreds of years in the story of the people of God. To 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1. It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Now, when you look at the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah, some were good, some were eh, some were bad, and some were just straight horrible. Jehoshaphat was one of the really, really good kings. And when he read before this, he had just made decisions for God. He just made sure that there was justice in the court systems. He just did all these reforms. He's doing amazing things. And while he's doing what God wants him to and being a blessing to the kingdom of Judah, here comes a sneak attack. And they say, a great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they that are in Hezazon Tamar, which is in Engedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assemblies of Judah and Jerusalem and the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand, there is not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you. Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people, Israel, and gave it to your descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, sore judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and your presence for your name is in this temple and cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and save. And now here, so notice what they did. Before they even get to the problem, they remind God of his word. They remind God of his promises. And as they get to the spot, notice what happens next. The people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. So God, you said we couldn't touch their land. You could not touch the descendants of Lot and Esau. You told us we couldn't go into their territory. But look what they did. All these centuries later, they've now gathered together to take us Here they are rewarders by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that's coming against us, nor do we know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. Now all Judah with their little ones, their wives, and their children stood before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, a descendant of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly. And he said, listen, all of you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, go down against them. I'm going to tell you where they are. They're at the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jerome. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. So notice what they did. Because the strategy before is to hold up the arms of the man of God. That was the strategy for that moment. So they come before God to get the strategy for this moment. And what was the strategy? Go down and meet him. Position yourselves and get ready to see something. It's important to get your strategy. And so that's what they do. They all begin to bow down and face and worship. And they began to praise God. Why? They believed. Now, if they didn't believe, they would have said, shut up, prophet. <laughs> you know they believed because they responded with worship and praise with loud voices. And then the next morning, what did they do? Hear me, the king says, O Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness. As they went out before the army, they were saying, praise the Lord. 
for his mercy endures forever. So they said, well, God says we're not going to fight. We need to go down and meet them. We believe God, so let's put the praise team up front. You might say, oh, the praise team up front? It might be a low day in choir rehearsal that day. It's like, I, I, I don't know if I feel called to sing today. I, I, <clears throat> oh, Lord, mm, I need a rest. The Lord's calling me to rest. Now, but the thing is, because a lot of you know the end of the story. Who was the first to the spoils? The praisers. The first to get the spoil were the one who were praising. It says, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. Ki tov, ki leolam asto. Hallelujah. For his mercy endures forever. As they began to say, as they began to sing, as they began to praise. The Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who had come against Judah and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. So when Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude and there were their dead bodies fallen on the earth. No one had escaped. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away their spoil, they found among them an abundance of valuables on the dead bodies and precious jewelry, which they stripped off for themselves, more than they could carry away. And they were three days gathering the spoil because there was so much. It took an entire country three days to gather stuff. How much stuff does this armor bring? Three days worth of gathering. And on the fourth day, they assembled in the valley and they blessed the Lord. They renamed that valley, the Valley of Blessing. Then they returned every man of Judah and Jerusalem and with Jehoshaphat in front of them to go back to Jerusalem with joy for the Lord had made them rejoice over the enemies. So they came to Jerusalem with string instruments and harps and trumpets to the house of the Lord. And the fear of God was in all the kingdoms of those countries when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. Then the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet and as God gave him rest all around. So notice what happened as they got their strategy, believed their strategy from God and began to praise. God began to fight the battle for there are some battles you will have to fight, and there's some battles God will fight for you. You just make sure that you position yourself like we talked about last week, and you stay in the spot that God tells you to be in. That you do your spot of obedience. You do your part of holding up the arms. You do your part of following the strategy of God so that you position yourself to receive the spoils of war. Now, a question for you. Question, question, question. I would say those spoils of war were goodness. Would you say that? Because when they came back from the battle, they had a lot more than before the battle. I would call those spoils goodness because God is still good on the battlefields of life. But here's what a lot of believers do. They win the battle. They come through the task and they stand at the edge of the valley of blessing and they don't go get their spoils. They defeat the temptation and they don't walk in the power and the perspective of what they obtained. You're just so happy to make it through. You haven't got what belonged to you. Because the Bible says if the thief be found, he has to pay up double. Then it says if the thief be found, he has to pay up to seven times even the substance of his house. If the enemy attacks you, he has to pay. It's time for having the mentality, oh, I made it. Ooh, I survived, Jesus, I survived. I'm so thankful to see another day. Be thankful to send another day, but get paid for what you went through. My question to you today is, have you left something in the valley? Have you left some spoils of war? 
Have you left some goodness on the battlefield that you went through in the last couple years? You made it through. Ooh, you so glad to be in 2023. But did you get the recompense that belongs to you? Did you get everything or did you leave some stuff on the table? Because you were just happy, you were grateful to make it through, but God is good. He doesn't want you just to make it through. He wants you to be recompensed. And so here's something I want you to pray about this week. God, did I leave something in the valley? If I did, how do I go get it? How do I obtain that goodness you left for me on the battlefield of life? So here's something I'm thinking about. Can I go there? You guys don't mind if I just go there. Can I just go there? Can I just go there? How many of you spent extra money last year because of inflation? Anybody else? How many of you gone to the grocery store and say it costs what? How many of you had to make some decisions in your family or your business because you had to spend more on eggs or whatever? Do you think it's God's plan for you always to pay more? So here's what I'm believing for us as individuals. Because I'll just say it bluntly, individually as families, we all went through it. And guess what happens when the individuals and families of the church go through it? The church as an organization goes through it. So we either just go through it and say, ooh, we made it. Or they said the prices have stopped going up. Oh, thank God. So no way they're coming down again, but they said they stopped going up. So we either just go, whew, or we start releasing our faith and demanding recompense. We don't demand anything of God. We demand of the thief, of the enemy. We're not mad with flesh and blood. We don't hate nobody. But there is a principality in power. There is a ruler of darkness. And we use our authority and says, give up what you owe. Let's take it a little bit further. Let's take it a little further. Some of you, you, you have these medical issues and you made it through. You're just so glad to be in remission. You're so glad to be on the other side. But what did you pay for all those medical bills? You went through this financial challenge and you had to put some stuff on credit card. You had to pay all this interest. And so you made it through but you got some bills. You got some baggage from the attack. I'm telling you that there is a strategy from God to get all those things paid for and jump out into your abundance. Because if you don't want it, that's fine. But I'm believing for us as individuals and as families and as a church to make up for what we went through last year. I'm not just happy to go through, woo, we made it to another year. Oh, Minister Dave, we made it to 30 years. Oh, my God, we're about to make it to 30. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. I'm ready for increase. I'm ready for abundance. I'm ready to prosper on the level that it just, just don't make sense. Those prosperity people, yeah, ain't those broke people, but those prosperity people. Oh, you one of those prosperous people? Yes, it's better than me, those broke people. So what do we do? We get before the Holy Ghost. Sir, what is my plan? Sir, what adjustment do I need to make? Sir, what do I need to give? Sir, where do I need to apply? Sir, what do I need to change? Sir, and as you go forward, you praise God. Hallelujah. For his mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. For his mercy endures forever. God is still good on the battlefields of life. Hallelujah, for his mercy endures forever. I'm expecting recompense. Because some of the goodness God has for you this year is recompense. Too many things have been stolen from you. It says in the New Testament, not the Old Testament, the New Testament, it is a righteous thing with God to trouble those who trouble you. So you don't get mad at anybody. You forgive everybody of everything, and you step out the way and says, Jesus, go for it. Because it also says, this is why you can't get mad 
at wicked people who prosper. Because it tells you in Job and in Proverbs, he's given them a ministry. He's given them a job to heap up silver as the dust for God to take it and give it to those who are good in his sight. That God is still planning on wealth transfers. I remember listening to just business podcasts over the last couple years, and it's the most time I've heard people talk about wealth transfer outside of the church. They said the greatest wealth transfers happen. These are people in secular arenas that there's a wealth transfer. And we've been talking about it since the 90s. Even before then. So you have to position yourself to receive. Because you know what happens if the body of Christ really steps into it? The biggest superpower on earth will be the body of Christ. Imagine the GDP potential of believers who actually walked in this. He has more. I said, Pastor, you said some big things on purpose. Wow, I'm challenging your faith. It's time for you to believe for more. It's time for you to believe on a higher level. It's time for you to believe that God will recompense you. God will restore you. God will grant you harvest. And not just not, just not what was stolen from you. What was stolen from those who came before you. You see in the Bible where God would recompense a generation for what previous generations couldn't get. Well, how do you know that? Exodus, when God led them out of Egypt. They had been slaves for 400 years. And one day said they spoiled the Egyptians. God paid them for hundreds of years of forced labor in one day. How do you do it? Favor. You have to walk in the divine favor of God expecting the wealth transfer expecting good things to happen to you. People don't have to like you to bless you. They don't have to know, I don't know why I'm doing this. I don't even like you. They might have some colorful metaphors and language as they bless you. It doesn't have to make sense. They don't have to like you. Your job is to do what the Holy Ghost told you to do and position yourselves so God can get to you what he wants to get to you. Arise and shine for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. If you're in the valley of the shadow of death, you're the brightest thing in that valley because Jesus is with you. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord is with you wherever you go. And you know what happened near the end of Moses' life? As they're trying to get to where God want them, people just started coming out and fighting them. And then Moses just beat them. Then one of these last major battles, there's a king by the name of Og. And he was a giant king. He was the last of the giants of that area. And his bed was over 13 feet tall. And he's the king. And he comes out leading his army to battle. So here's this 120-year-old Moses with his staff and with his sword. And it says, Moses took out the giant. Stop saying you're too old. He has some giants for you to take down. One of the reasons why we're doing some new things for our ministry for 55 and up, because you ain't old, you just seasoned. And you got some maturity and some wisdom and some giftings and some anointings you have to pass down to the younger generations so they can rise up in faith. If there's breath in your body, God is not done. There's some more places he's gonna lead you because there's some giants you gotta take down. There's some strongholds that have to fall. Well, they only fall when the people of God stand up and march forward. So you fight the good fight of faith. As it says in 1 Timothy 1.18, you take the prophecies spoken over you and you wage a good warfare. 
So yes, some challenges showed up this year, but God told me to focus on the good, so I'm going to focus on the good. He said it's a year of blessing, so I'm going to say it's a year of blessing. He said it's a year of refreshing, so I'm going to say it's a year of refreshing. What I'm doing? I'm fighting. I'm fighting the challenge. I'm fighting the sneak attack. I'm putting what God said in my mouth because I refuse to believe anything else. I refuse to give in to fear. I refuse to give in to the lies of hell. Because guess what? If the lies of hell are picking up, you're getting closer. Why would they put more effort if you were far away from a breakthrough? When all hell breaks loose, keep going. He's scared of you. Do you want to talk about the ministry of Jesus when you walk in towns? He says demons would cry out. Before he looked their way, we know who you are. How do they know? You beat our boss. Remember who lives within you. Remember who rests upon you. So you may walk in some situations and people start twitching. Don't be bothered by it. Oh, all of a sudden, people just acting up. Don't be bothered. Remember what you got. And the thing is, the door opens. You want me to help you with that? I can take care of that. You can't sleep. You're tormented at night. I can take care of that. You're tormented. I can take care of that. You're harassed. I can take care of that. You're having trouble healing from decades ago? I can take care of that because my boss beat that problem's boss millennia ago. Because then it said, at when Jesus died and descended into the depths, he threw off principality. He threw off powers. He made a show of them openly. He marched them down through downtown eternity, showing I've kicked every single demon tail. Every demon is subject to the name of Jesus. Every demon is subject to the power of that name. At that name, every knee shall bow. At that name, every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And guess what? He gave you the right to use that name. So whatever surprise challenge has popped off this year, whatever sneak attack, I'm here to remind you that God is still good, even on the battlefields of life. I've come like the prophet of old, who in his dream began to prophesy, and the winds of the Holy Ghost went in and caused the bones to come together, the sinews to come together, the muscles to come together, the flesh to come together, and all of a sudden an army stood up, ready to march to do. So I don't know if you feel like you got a bone there, bone there, muscle here, muscle there. But right now, the Holy Ghost is moving, putting you back together again so that you can march on to do what he's called you to do. Your best is yet to come. You haven't seen anything yet. So you get his strategy this week. You find out what you left on the table. You get his wisdom on how you can get it back. You put your faith out for recompense. You put your faith out for restoration. You put your faith out for influence. And you keep focusing on the extreme goodness of God. And that is what you'll see. So army of God, stand to your feet. Shoo. God is still good on the battlefields of life. Even all of you watching at home, if you're watching at home and you're able, go ahead and stand to your feet. Stand up knowing that God is raising you up. God is building you up. God is strengthening you. It doesn't matter what you've been through. Your future is brighter than you can imagine. That you may be in the valley of the shadow of death, but that's not where your story ends. God has more. Thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph. One translates that he leads us in a perpetual victory parade. Victory after victory. Victory after victory. Why? He doesn't plan any defeats. He's only planned your victory. You are more than a conqueror through him who loves you. 
you were on the winning side. So as God told Moses before he took down the giant, don't be afraid, don't be dismayed. And God said he's going to fall just like the person right before him. So many of you have a track record with God. All the things he's knocked down for you in the past. It's time for you to look at the challenge in front of you and say that you're going to fall just like the rest. You look at that doctor's report, you're going to fall just like the rest. You look at that evil news report, you're going to fall just like the rest. You respond to the lies of hell, you're going to fall just like the rest. But God is still good on the battlefields of life. Hallelujah. We thank you. Father, we believe for recompense. We believe that you'll make it right. We believe that you're Jehovah Nissi. We believe that you are a victory. Because you know that story, Moses lifted up the staff of God. And then he named that place Jehovah Nissi. The Lord is my banner. What is the banner? It's lifted up. Lifted up in victory. So we lift up our God the one who gives us the victory, our Jehovah Nisi, the one who causes us to triumph, the one who causes us to win, the one who brings recompense, the one who releases restoration. My Father, we thank you and we believe for restoration, for recompense, for increase that makes up for what we lost. Reveal the strategies to us this week. Reveal to us what we've left on the table and how we are to obtain it. Reveal to us the specific things that have been stealing from us so that we can set ourselves up for the double and the seven times. Holy Spirit, you are our strategist and we need your strategy. You said in your word, if any lack of wisdom, ask of you and you'll give liberally and upbraid of not. So I ask specifically for the strategy we need for recompense and restoration in our lives. I ask it on behalf of my family and all the families here, all the faith family at large. I ask for and believe for and receive the strategy that we need. We receive the creative wisdom of God. Say we receive the creative wisdom of God. Hallelujah. Thank you for streaming this message. I believe it encouraged you and is going to help you make Jesus famous in your everyday life. We would love to be, stay connected with you. So subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, our YouTube channel, download our Faith Plus app, and visit us at FCCGA.com to learn more about our ministry. If you would like to support our ministry financially, you can also do so by our website at FCCGA.com or by texting FCCGA to 73256. If you would like to submit a prayer request, you can do so at our website as well. We would love to agree with you in faith and we know you'll receive an answer according to the word of God. Once again, thank you for streaming this message. And remember, God has a great plan for your life and something good is going to happen to you today. So expect miracles. God bless.